All right, welcome into the Stripe Show podcast this week. Players Championship right here uh, in my backyard, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. TPC Sawgrass, a place, a golf course that I know very, very well. Played it many times. No Tiger, I know, but it is the best field in golf. And, uh, you know, I got to thinking about a week ago, who would be great to have on the podcast that knows, you know, pretty much everything there needs to be known about PGA Tour, about the Players' Championship, about TPC Sawgrass. And I thought of, well, one man, one man only, Sean Martin, Senior Editor for PGATour.com. Sean, I know it's a busy week for you, and I appreciate you joining me here on the Scribe Show podcast. Yeah, anytime. I love talking Players' Championship. I love talking TPC Sawgrass. Um, you know, I've been at the tour now for seven years. We get to play the stadium course uh, in the summer, so I feel like I've gotten to know it well that way. And it's cool to see such a big championship on a course that you feel like you know uh, pretty well because, yeah, you just you don't have that intimate knowledge of other courses that are, you know, hosting the big event. So it's always a fun week. Yeah, and you're on the inside. You're out there traveling, you know, with the tour. I know you guys put a lot of hours in inside the ropes. Um, you know, you're walking the courses with these players uh, and you're getting to know them. So, you know, you have a uh, obviously a tremendous insight to the game uh, working there at PGATour.com. You and I used to work together on a show that we would do for the PGA Tour around fantasy golf. And it was fun just to, you know, kind of ham and egg it about players. And I figured here on the on the podcast this week, um, no better tournament to do that with. So we're going gonna to cover some ground here. We're going to talk about a lot of players, give you some insight, give you our thoughts. I know a lot of you are playing fantasy golf um, and a lot of you just want to be entertained about what's going on inside the ropes with the best players in the world. So we're going to get right after it here. I got a first head-to-head for you. I'm going to make it really difficult right out of the gate. World number one, Rory McIlroy, playing some great golf, but going against world number two, John Rahm. Who do you like this week at the players? I don't think that's a difficult one. Uh, I think it's Rory all the way. Um okay. You know, Rom, I know it was 54-hole leader here last year, but uh, Rory, you know, a lot can be said about the ability to close and should he be closing more of these tournaments, especially as the world number one. But the consistency is incredible since the start of last season. You know, he's finished top five in 56% of his events. Uh, second best is Brooks at about 36%. So I think it's Rory all day. Rom, lots of good showings, uh, lots of good rounds at TPC Sawgrass, but, you know, he's played here three times and each... Uh, each year he's had a round of at least 76. First year uh, starts with a 68 in the first round, shoots 82 in the third round uh, to miss mm-hmm. the 54-hole cut. Uh, 77 in the third round last year, and then, or sorry, two years ago, and then last year 76 in the final round. And of course, that was with the pressure of having the 54-hole lead. But you also saw that uh, you know questionable decision on 11, and you just can't make those kinds of mental errors uh, on this golf course. And so I think it's. I think it's Rory all day. Yeah, you know, let me play the other side of that for a second because that was a critical mistake. It was it was such a cool moment as a fan to watch the caddy step in so adamantly, right? And then for the player to rule over him and hit the shot. He almost pulled it off. I mean, you know, it was a silly shot. I mean, I don't even know why he tried it, but he clearly thought he could make it. But since that time, since that tournament, he won at the Zurich uh, with Ryan Moore. He won three times on the European Tour, including... Uh, the order of merit. Um, he, he's a he's a good iron. He's a, he's a he's a great iron player. He's a great putter. You know, and and those are two things that I think are important at TPC Sawgrass. You know, Rory. I try to take a step back with him. I love Rory. I know he's the best player in the world. 
he's not dominant because he hasn't had the success on Sunday like we were accustomed to um, with Tiger. But there's something there on Sunday with him. We saw it at the Genesis. We saw it at API. It was a 76, but it wasn't just a 76. It was it was the highest round for anybody in contention. Um, you know, doubles at six, doubles at nine, hits it out of bounds on 12. It's like, damn, you know, number one player in the world, he has those lapses even though we know his B game is going to put him in contention. But his B game doesn't win on Sunday. And that's why I think Rom. I would probably give the edge to Rob. I actually think he seems to be a little bit more determined, but I hear you on some of those uh, rounds that he's had in years past. But you know deep down it's burning. He wants this one back. I think listening to Rory today, I think Bay Hill, I don't want to say it was rock bottom, but I think he has realized now that something needs to change about Sundays. And I think what that is is course management. Uh, Aaron Oberholzer mm-hmm. and I talked about it on our podcast, and Aaron really hammered home on that too, that – Rory has a lot of the physical talents that we saw with Tiger. Uh, the difference was Tiger never made mistakes in his prime, and that's what separated Tiger right. from the competition. Rory does make those mistakes, and he admitted six. You know, He tried to push it up there too far, and he left himself with a 90-yard bunker shot, which it doesn't get much harder than that, and then, of course, blades that into the water. And um, he just it was just little mistakes that were avoidable. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily, there were some bad swings, but it was more of the mental mistakes that, and those are easier to clean up. Uh, I think, especially when you're as introspective as Rory. So I think that not closing out Bay Hill, not closing out Riviera. I think, I think he already, he maybe knew it, uh, but he mm-hmm. knew, he knows something has to change now on Sundays. Yeah. It'll be fun to see because, you know, Rory taking the next step on Sunday, he will be that dominant number one, um, you know, that we frankly haven't seen uh, since Tiger. Let me throw another name at you. That's in this group, Rory, John Rom. The third member of this group is Brooks Kepka. They go out at 151 on Thursday. You know, I've been on my show, I've been talking about Brooks, uh, you know, some of the concerns that I have looking at Brooks. I know we got to give him time. we got to give him reps. There's some rust there. Uh, but the speed is there. The distance is there. His putting's been atrocious, though. He has not looked good um, with the putter. That concerns me. What do you see with Kepka? Uh, what if I told you, not to do a 30 for 30 interview, what if I told you Brooks Kepka is the worst ranked player in the FedEx Cup standings in this field? Uh, he is 213th. I know, look, I know... You know, obviously he's had some injury uh, this year dealing with that knee, so we have to give him uh, a break there. Um, but he said, you know, he feels like it's gotten a lot better. Uh, but still, and I know, you know, we, we talk about the Brooks peaking for majors, but at the same time, I think you can tell in his words, you know, last year between the majors, he performed poorly in other two events because he admitted being rusty, later admitted that he had to take the time off between majors because of the knee. And we didn't know that at the mm-hmm. time that we saw him struggling at like the Travelers and uh, the 3M. Or, um, but now he's played a ton, so Rust really can't be used as an excuse. And so I do think, you know, I know people aren't going to panic until he starts failing to perform in the majors, but I think it's time to start asking some questions of Brooks and his form. Yeah. He's played enough that you can't really use Rust. And he said a couple weeks ago the knee is 100%. And if that is the case concerns about the physical game yeah well there's chinks in the armor there's no question the putting has been going on for a while now he didn't hit the ball good um at arnold palmer invitational he did put a one under round on seven or on sunday which probably felt like 62 in those conditions 
Um, yeah, but I agree. I think there's uh, some concern there as we play the Players' Championship this week. We look ahead to Augusta. You don't want to be trying to figure out your putting um, up there at Augusta National. Another featured group uh, this week, we go spring break style. Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, uh, Jordan Spieth. Give me a name out of those three that uh, you're looking at. I think it has to be Thomas. Uh, I mean, second in the FedEx Cup, he's got two wins. Jordan's obviously still trying to find it. Uh, 195th in strokes gained off the tee, 198th in strokes gained approach. The ball striking is still very much an issue. And Ricky, um, we've seen some flashes, you know, 54-hole leader uh, at the American Express, but it's been a very inconsistent season. I think that can kind of even maybe go back to just missing a lot of time at the start of the year with uh, he got the the stomach bug uh, after after his honeymoon. He didn't play very much. Uh, he switched coaches. He's going to John Tillery. You know, I think he's even kind of admitted that, you know, under the gun, he's still, he's having to think a lot more about golf swing right now. He's in that stage of the swing change where he's still thinking a lot about golf swing. And when the pressure comes, uh, that is a hard thing to do. So I think he's still in yeah. that adjustment period. I think it'll pay good long-term dividends. Um, but at the same time, I do think that uh, he's still trying to find it. And this is not a golf course really that, that you can do that. Yeah, some wholesale changes too. Uh, yeah, Tillery, I know, I know very well. I mean, not just tweaks. We're talking about getting the shaft more vertical across the line at the top, more loaded into the right side. I mean, a lot of different things happening to the top of the swing. Um, all an attempt to shallow the shaft more. Ricky historically is always steep in the shaft, but you know he did show some form last week. He finished tied for 18th at API. He had the one disaster hole in the par five where he made a nine. Other than that, I mean, it was you know pretty decent considering everything that you just said. Uh, you know, Spieth, man, I don't know. You know, Sean, I, I, you know, you watch this guy and you can't be short and crooked. You know, he's not really short um, off the tee, but man, he has gotten crooked and he is hitting these snap hooks. Uh, it, it's just strange, isn't it, to watch Jordan Spieth fall all the way to 51 in the world? Yeah. And, you know, there's been signs, but sometimes it feels like one step forward, two steps back, or one step forward, one step back. You know, I think we've seen some flashes of brilliance. I still think that his year last year is underrated because as poorly as he was hitting it for him to, I think he made it to the BMW. I think he finished 40 something in the FedEx cup for a guy to be struggling that badly and still put together a season that most tour players would, would take. And of course he did it with some historic putting. Um, but still, I think that's a testament to the guy that he could even uh, do that with the way he was hitting it. And I think, uh, I think there's still some worries about the ball striking. He was grinding today on the range. I watched him for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think we're still a ways, I think we're slowly making progress. I take some, uh, some confidence from the fact that, you know, if you remember for a while there, we thought he had the yips with the putting, he was missing short putts. And then last year put together maybe the best, best putting season of his career. And so you're hoping you see the same thing with the ball striking where the ball striking, uh, has looked absolutely lost, but perhaps can get it back. But I, I think we're still at least a few months away from that happening. Yeah, we're, we're close to almost two years now uh, of this struggle. And, you know, he's worked through putting issues before in college, but never like this in the swing. Rumor has it he he went after some distance. Um, you know, he can have a tendency to get pretty high with the lead arm, maybe a little bit laid off, and then he works it underneath. And that's never good um, for a tour player. Let me ask you this about the third member there, Justin Thomas. What's it going to take for Justin Thomas, the fourth-ranked or the, the, the fourth player in the world, to start – I don't know. I, I always feel like we kind of leave him out, and here we are, three guys in the group, and we're talking about him last. Doesn't it always seem like he's just kind of always trailing behind, but yet perhaps the most talented player? 
Yeah, I think last year got derailed uh, a little bit by the, the wrist injury. And while he was sitting out with that wrist injury, he all he could do was putt. So he thought, well, why don't I just get perfect with my putting? And then he kind of lost his way, tried to get too technical with the putting, um, just kept changing grips, putter style, methods. And mm-hmm. for a while there in the summer, he was the worst putter on the PGA Tour, or one of the worst. Uh, finally got it back in time for the BMW. And he's already won twice this year. Uh, and I think people do kind of quickly forget that. I mean, he's got two wins and a third in, in eight starts this season. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Justin Ray, every time that uh, Justin wins, you know, puts up the stat that, for most wins before turning, let's say 26, 27, it's always like Tiger, Jack Nicholas, Rory, and Justin Thomas. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in historic company as far as the pace uh, that he's winning golf tournaments at. And yet we, we don't, for some reason, we don't realize that the generational talent that we have there. Yeah, I, to- I, I totally agree. And, and it's like, what does a guy got to do, right? To get to that, um, to get to that level of respect. He was T35 last year um, at the players and then T11 in 18 so perhaps this is the year he gets um that trophy the gold standard uh, winning the players championship that group fowler thomas spieth spring break style they go out at 846 on thursday let's go see it is funny on spieth i do want to add i was looking at his record he does have two top tens this season so for as much as we talk about him struggling uh he does have have two top tens including i think pebble was promising because he shot 67 on sunday and there was a lot made of those weekend struggles last season so yeah. Uh, for a guy who, I mean, again, what he's been able to do while struggling with his full swing is, is pretty incredible. Hey, there's no doubt. I mean, the guy knows how to score. He knows how to grind. Um, his short game is spectacular. Um, I mean, the guy chips in, it seems like, every day um, when he, you know, we, we know what he can do at the flat stick. I mean, if he can just keep it in front of him, just keep it in front of him reasonably well, he's, he's going to be here. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. We're close to two years here on him, and it's like, yet yeah, we're, we're still two months away. I, I, I don't know. Something's not adding up there for me. Let's go young guns here. I'm curious here. I wonder, this, is, this, this question's the one I'm, I'm the most interested to hear you in your opinion. Uh, going out on Thursday, 118, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf. Of those three, who's the most impressive to you? I think uh, right now, I think it's Morikawa because of the iron play. Um, you know, it's been pretty well documented. The strokes gained approach is pretty much your best uh, predictor of success. Colin's mm-hmm. fourth. Uh, on the tour and strokes gain approach this season. Uh, Long term, I think if Victor Hovland can figure out the short game, he admitted himself after winning in Puerto Rico that he sucks at chipping, were his his own words. Uh, And he's 230th (laughs) in strokes gain around the green. Uh, Mm -hmm. If he can can figure that out, I think he may have the the highest ceiling because if you looked, uh, this is after he won Puerto Rico, but since I believe the U.S. Open, since June, he led the tour in strokes gain off the tee. He was ahead of Rory, and he was second uh, in strokes gain approach. And so if you can ball strike it that way, uh, and obviously it's a little bit of a small sample, but if you can drive he's got a little bit of length on Colin, which helps yet pretty mm-hmm. comparable ability with the irons. I think that's such a huge asset. But at the same time with Colin, you know, we've seen that consistency, 21 straight made cuts, longest uh, made cut streak on the PGA Tour and yet he's doing that while being 174th in strokes gained putting. So he also kind of has a, a chink in the armor that he can kind of uh, figure out, you know, that, that's holding him back a little bit. And, and also 120th in strokes gained around the green. Really, you know, when you do look at those three guys, and, and I love this group. I'm so glad that they got put together. The ball striking stats are great. Uh, they all The short game is a weakness for all three of them, and I think I was, I was talking to Aaron about that, and he said, you know, these guys grew up in the era of Mark Brody, and – 
you know, when guys a generation or two ago grew up, it was dry for show, putt for dough. This generation grew up and, and it had been pretty well established that ball striking, especially iron play, especially kind of 150 to 225 iron play is where you separate yourself from the competition. And so I think to learn that skill first is huge because the guys who win are the best putters out of the best ball strikers. And it's not just the best putters. So I do think, I think those, those guys grew up in that era. They developed their talents around mm-hmm. that knowledge. And now they just need to you know, figure out the short game a little bit and then go from there. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you look at Colin Morikawa. There's just something about him that that you watch him, his demeanor. I mean, I don't know what it is, you know, but it kind of looks like he has confident, confident, but not cocky. Yeah, I mean, he just looks like man, like that guy knows what he's doing, you know. I mean, and he is a terrific iron player. Um, I played with Victor Hovland in the pro am down at the API. Great kid. I agree. He's got to clean up the short game. You look at Matthew Wolf. I mean, he's long, but man, statistically, he, he's not accurate. I mean, he he's got a long ways to go um, with his iron game, with his short game. Um, I think to to continue to climb the ladder. I I've said for the last year, the best young player in the game is Sun Jae M, yeah. and you know he he finally got his win there at the Honda. Um, you know, he has struggled a little bit around the greens this year. But I'll tell you, statistically, last year, um, Sean, you look at him as a rookie, he had no weaknesses. I mean, this guy, like, drives it well, good iron player, good short game, good putter. I mean, he has no weaknesses. He's up there in all the categories. And I'm not surprised at all to see him um, climbing now, getting a win, almost winning at API. Uh, you kind of got to like his chances here, don't you, at, uh, at the players? Yeah, I mean, this is a point A to point B golf course that demands execution, and the guy is a ball-striking machine. Uh, I loved to ask him after Honda kind of where he developed that really slow backswing that's become his trademark. And he said mm-hmm. four years ago he had a pretty normal tempo. And he was struggling with his game, though. So he kind of slowed down the backswing on the driving range uh, just as a drill. And he started flushing it and said, you know what? I'm going to take this onto the golf course. And he said he feels like every year his swing just keeps getting slower and slower. But at the same time, his stock continues to rise. So uh, I may as well keep going with it. Yeah. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the stripe show let's go on the other end of the spectrum 49 year old uh, phil mickelson what do you make of phil right now i mean this whole you know obsession with distance um you know i look at it he's missed five out of nine cuts i mean it's not working i mean he's he had the one good finish at the at&t but you know it's cool he's hitting the long ways but at the end of the day phil really has become pretty irrelevant hasn't he yeah, 121st in strokes gained off the tee, 190th in strokes gained approach, 136th in strokes gained putting. And, um, you know, it's funny, uh, I was talking to someone about Phil's win here at the Players in 07, and he was a few weeks into working with Butch Harmon. And I remember hit him at the time saying that the key to victory was that he and Butch just kind of worked on this controlled cut uh, to keep mm-hmm. it in play. And basically that he realized that he doesn't, he didn't need to swing out of his shoes, that he just needed to keep it in play and give himself a chance with his irons. And that's what led to victory at the player's championship, a place where he had struggled. And, you know, Phil always, he's like a lot of us where he's like, okay, I found the secret. 
And then a month later, it's like, well, I found another the different secret. Or I've got a different secret. Yeah. And that was his secret at the time was I'm just going to hit this butter cut, keep it in play. And obviously he has gone the exact opposite direction with the bombs off the tee. But uh, that is not working. And I don't know if the search for speed has just bled into his uh, other aspects of his game or just that the poor driving is putting him into places where he can't hit good approach shots from. But um, yeah, the speed is there, uh, but it's just <laughs> the direction's not. Yeah. So one of the segments that uh, that you and I used to do on the show was don't take. And uh, Phil's certainly on the list for me um, as a don't take. Who, who else for you? A couple names, maybe one, two, three. Whatever you have at this golf course, because this this golf course is is not for everybody. And um, you know it well. You know the players well. Who should we stay away from? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a group of past champions, Matt Kuchar, Henry Extension, and, and Sergio Garcia. And I would almost say don't take any of them. Um, there's just, you know, Stenson is one of the few guys here who has had pretty consistent success, uh, but just uh, struggling with his with his game right now. And so I would stay away from all three of those guys. I think Justin Rose, too. You know, we saw last week maybe switching equipment. Uh, I think no official word yet from himself or, or Hanma, but um, he's been struggling with his game and, and maybe you know switching out his gear, too. So I think those are some, some pretty big names, but I think all of those guys are, are guys to stay away from this week. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, Stenson, for sure, I can see. But uh, Kucher, you know, I mean, Kucher's been okay you know, this year. And that's a, that's an interesting one on the, um, on the dote take Leishman uh, would be one. He has not played well here. Yeah. It uh, doesn't drive it. Uh, doesn't drive well yeah. enough to, to thrive. I think at TBC Sawgrass. Yeah. He was another one on my list to kind of stay away from. I was surprised last week in that wind as well as he does high ball player. Um, but that guy just pops up and he doesn't go away. I mean, he, he, he hangs around when he does get up um, near the leaderboard. Let's go to a couple head to heads here. Um, two guys that are playing with Phil Mickelson at 8.35 a.m. on Thursday. Dustin Johnson versus Webb Simpson. Who do you got this week? I think it's Webb all day. Uh, he didn't play well in Mexico, but the three starts before that, he lost to a combined two players over the course of 72 holes. Lost in a playoff to Tyler Duncan at the RSM Classic. Finished one shot out of the Brennan Steele Cameron Smith playoff at the Sony Open and then won the Phoenix mm-hmm. Open in a playoff. So, um, you know, Webb has only played five times this season. Uh, he's kind of picking his, his starts for two reasons. One, he's got five kids at home. Two, uh, <laughs> Webb is a shorter hitter. Uh, you look at every other aspect of his game and he's world class, but he just doesn't have the distance. So he's being strategic about where he plays his golf. And TPC Sawgrass is a place that, that fits him because you don't really have to overpower the golf course. Now, he won in mm-hmm. May where it plays shorter. March is much more of a driver golf course. That's why we saw Rory win last year. But I still think that – I definitely think it's Webb. Dustin finally figured the place out last year, had struggled here for most of his career, but has still been uh, – I still haven't seen great stuff out of him. Uh, he's runner-up in Saudi Arabia, but follows it with a T32 at Pebble, which for him you know, is a disappointing finish there. Finished 10th at, at Riviera, where he consistently contends, and then finishes 48th at Mexico, where he'd won two out of the three times they'd played at Chapultepec. So I think DJ, another guy who was injured uh, – late last year and may still be recovering from that. But uh, yeah, I think it's a web all day. Yeah. Those are the two tournaments you mentioned, AT&T and Mexico that really jumped out for, for DJ. Is it fair to think right now with DJ Butch retiring, 
maybe that authoritative voice in his camp um, is missing. He, he seems a little unmotivated to me. Rumor has it he's not working as hard. You can see it statistically. Um, you know, I think when he's not working hard, strokes getting around the green, 167, 162. I mean, I mean, he's going to fall out of bed and be in the top 30 strokes gain off the tee. But really, it's about the short game and the putting, which seems like he has to maybe work a little bit harder than others um, to get that where it needs to be. He just doesn't seem polished to me right now. He's a little uninterested, not quite the DJ that we've seen in years past. And I got to say, Webb Simpson, is it fair to say, best player yard for yard on the PGA Tour? I Definitely. And I think best player from approach on in, uh, probably. Strokes gain off the tee, Sean, 149th is Webb. 149th, strokes gain total six. That's amazing. To yeah. Me. That's that in today's game, that just shows you how good he is with those other 13 clubs. I mean, really impressive and stuff. And he's losing uh, strokes off the tee because of, of the lack of distance. If you look, he is, uh, yeah. he was top 10 in fairways hit. Uh, and yeah. he was top 10 in greens regulation, too. He's fallen to 40th. Uh, I think some of that's from playing at Mexico, where nobody really hits a lot of fairways. But, um, right. yeah, the main reason he's losing strokes off the tee is because of the lack of distance. Head-to-head, Patrick Reed versus Bryson DeChambeau. I think Bryson, uh, Bryson's off-the-tee performance has been incredible since you know he beefed up. Um, you can see a little more driver uh, at this golf course in March, which that will help Bryson because he's hitting it far and straight. Uh, I think Patrick usually relies on his short game, and that's not really the way to get it done here. Uh, and you just look at Bryson, last three starts, fifth in Riviera, second in Mexico, and fourth at, at API, which you know are all tournaments that are demanding ball striking tests, as this week will be as well. Bryson DeChambeau is first in driving distance on the PGA Tour. Yep. About that, 321 yards off the tee. It's amazing. You know, he it's transformation. He, he's making it work. Is Bryson really the scientist that we all think he is? Is it is it through and through with him? I think so. I mean, I think I, yeah. I think he's he's into it. I think uh, I think it's what motivates him. I think it's what you know gets him going and what gets him excited about getting out there and working. I mean, you look too. He's got a unique putting style, but twenty uh, second strokes game uh, putting as well. So I think so. I think you know he works with uh, Mike Shy and Chris Como. Uh, Chris, very bright mind as well. So you know those two guys. They're pretty similar. Uh, they're both bright minds, and they feed off of each other. And so, uh, I think that I think that he's enjoying that process. Yeah. What do you make of Patrick Reed? I mean, just how would you describe his game, just overall, not just for this golf course and this tournament, but how would you just you know kind of chip away at his game and describe? Yeah, it? I mean, he is a just a prototypical just grinder who gets it done. I think with the yeah. short game, you know, 109th in strokes gained off the tee, third in strokes gained putting. Um, I think he's just a guy who never is out of it. He grinds it out, gets up and down. And, and I think that's, you know, around the green play has been his strength. Uh, you know, he's a little bit different than most of the guys his age where uh, they get it done with, with ball striking. But he's just a yeah. guy who, who grinds it out that we've seen, uh, you know, from the days that he was Monday qualifying for tour events. Is he is he good for the PGA Tour, the villain, right? Because there's a lot, you know, I, I kind of, I've said many times on my platform, you know, I don't agree with Patrick Reed and what he does. He's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I respect him as a player. Um, and I think he's good for the PGA Tour. He, he's not like he's not cut like the rest of them. Bryson DeChambeau is not cut like the rest of them. I think we need personalities like that. It's okay if he's a villain. And you agree? I do wonder. He used to wear red and black on Sundays, a la Tiger, because he grew up idolizing Tiger. And Mexico, he was wearing all black. And I wonder. I was. I wondered. I was not there to ask him, but. 
if that was sort of a statement of like, look, I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to be the man in black, if you will. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, API champion Terrell Hatton versus Xander Shoffley. Xander has a good history here. Uh, runner up two years ago. That one, that's a, a tough one. Terrell hadn't yeah. played much because of wrist surgery uh, in the offseason. But so he had, you know, he had a small, I think he got kind of forgotten when it came time for API. But if you look at his last four worldwide starts, he had a win in Turkey, which is a Rolex series event for Europe. So it's one of their premier events. Uh, 46th at their season-ending event, but then 6th in Mexico and now a win uh, at API. So those events are pretty far spaced apart because he had to sit out for that to recover from the wrist surgery. But uh, when he has played, he's been playing very well. And so I would go... What are the chances that... Hatton. I'd oh, say I'd go to... Hatton. you yeah. go Hatton. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay. What, what are the chances he flips off the pond at 17? <laughs> that was that was interesting. <laughs> He, I mean, he's he's colorful. People enjoy it. I mean, we've we've seen it. Uh, I remember he's in contention at Honda, kind of one of his first trips over to the states, and uh, his ball hit a spike mark. Luckily, he can re- repair those now. But I think kind of flung his hat down, looked at the spike mark. Uh, it was yeah. I mean, he's demonstrative, so you can't accuse him of being a mm-hmm. of being a robot. What bothers you more? Someone yelling mashed potatoes after a drive or Terrell Hatton kicking and screaming and slamming clubs down after after a shot? I'm going to say the mashed potatoes because it's premeditated. <laughs> you know, we've all had moments, I mean, especially the heat of being contention on Sunday. We've all had moments where, you know, it's gotten the best of us. Uh, maybe as far as temper or just, you know, getting aggravated, the game does that to all of us. But the mashed potatoes thing that's premeditated, you know, you're not under pressure, under stress. You just know that you want to go to the tournament and be heard on TV. And, you know, so I've got to say that. (laughs) I think Terrell got a little bit of a pass last week, personally. Um, You know, if if he wins the event, you know, Arnold's Arnie's event, and he seems like a good guy, you know, he really does. Um, And I think he admits that he acts a little bit childish out there, you know, uh, at times, but man, I mean, I did a poll on my site. If he hits the ball in the water on the 72nd hole, what happens? A, he breaks a club. B, he punches himself in the face. Or C, he jumps into the water. And it was very close between breaking a club and punching himself in the face um, if he hits the ball on the 18th. I mean, can you imagine the meltdown that, that would have took place with a bad swing over the pond? Yeah, but it is crazy. Uh, our Charlotte guys looked it up. He played 17 and 18, three under for the week, gained like six strokes on the field in just those two holes. And it was the best performance on 17 and 18 by a Bay Hill winner. Uh, Only Tiger had done it better. He played him four under one year. So those are two very difficult holes and he played them very well. Yeah, man. You know, I'm I'm surprised that you take, you're taking uh, Hatton over Shoffley given his, his record, you know, Shoffley's sneaky long. Um, he doesn't get enough credit for his length off the tee. Good iron player. He's not putting very well. Um, just kind of seems to be laboring a little bit um, on the greens, kind of holding him back a little bit this year. Kind of a you know, somewhat of a quiet start, but um, that, that's an interesting one. That could go either way. Let me ask you this. What does Tony Finau need to do to get into the winner circle? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think if any of us knew, uh, we would. <laughs> it's interesting because he's long. Uh, he's 10th in Shrosky approach, 6th in Shrosky around the green. You, uh, the putting has been a weakness. He's, you know, went to the claw. I mean, heck, he shot 62 yep. in Vegas this season, uh, losing strokes on the green. Um, wow. You know, he's a very positive guy, but you've got to think that it's gnawing at him. 
Um, you've got mm-hmm. to wonder when it's going to happen. He's had so many chances. Uh, I mean, and even, you know, you look at Phoenix and Webb's win. I mean, that was a heartbreaker. I mean, you had a guy pour in two putts uh, on you, you know, and he had a putt to win it as, as well. But, you know, Webb poured in a putt on the 72nd hole and in the playoff to beat him. And so it's a little bit of his own doing and then just a little bit of, of bad luck as well. Yeah, I mean, all he had to do is birdie one of the last four. I mean, easier said than done, but I don't, you know, I don't have the skills, Tony Fino, obviously, but, you know, if a reachable par five, um, short par three, reachable par four, hit a flip wedge on 18. I mean, just birdie one of the last four and he wins. And it's just, gosh, you know, I look at him and I pull from, I love Tony Fino, um, you know, Boyd Summerhays' coach, great guy. Uh, and I just think to myself, if he just had a little bit of dog in him, if he just had a little bit of read, just, you know, just something there to put some of this away i mean this guy would be winning his putting holds him back but he's playing good enough you know to win some of these tournaments he, he's so talented um gosh if you if you had to pick a best ball partner on the pga tour i think i'm picking tony fee now i mean you know just just free him up and let him go he, he'd make nine birdies playing mediocre yeah. um I, I, I'm, I'm i'm pulling for him i don't like him here this week but um you know i, I hope he can win and win often because he's too talented a player to have one win to this point only one win uh it's crazy all right winding it down here and you mentioned your podcast uh, earlier really excited that you, you started it um you know you're a talented guy sean very smart mind pga tour you're doing it with aaron holberholzer it's called center cut Is that that's right? correct yeah uh aaron and i uh, our friends from California. He was born in San Luis Obispo, California, a small town in the middle of the state. Uh, I went to school there, and so we've known each other for a few years now. And and basically, the gist of it, uh, he I heard him going on a bunch of different podcasts. Uh, most the one that kind of put it over the edge was he went on Shaheen Nakajavani, which, which I know you were on recently. Uh, and it was yeah. a great episode. And I texted him. I said, "You go on all these podcasts, and they're always my favorite episodes. They're great." I love the way your mind works. Aaron's got a, uh, obviously he was a, a top 25 player in the world before injuries. Uh, he loves golf course yeah. architecture, grew up around all those great golf courses in San Francisco. Uh, very, you know, active mind and curious mind about the swing. He's visited Shaheen. He's gone out to see George Genkis. He's up on all the latest uh, trends in, in instruction as well. And so I said, you need to get a podcast. And he said, I, I, you know, I just can't start one on my own. I need someone to help me. And so, and I've always loved talking golf with Aaron. So I figured let's just do it let's talk golf and we'll just record it now. So that's basically the gist of it. And so we're going to do a preview and review uh, episode for the players, the four majors, and then the three FedEx cup playoffs events, just to hopefully have a pretty regular cadence. uh, And, you know, yeah, I, you know, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there. We're hoping to just kind of appeal to the the golf nerds out there. (laughs) Yeah. No, you guys will be good. He's a good team. I know Aaron well from my golf channel days and um, that's a good one. Center cut. Check it out. All right, I got to get a couple, you know, we used to talk about these sleeper picks, right? And uh, sometimes sleeper picks were better than our, our uh, must-haves. Um, who, who, do you, who, who, who have we mentioned yet? Who, who, who's out, out there that we haven't uh, – we're not talking about yet? We haven't talked Hideki. Uh, this is a point A to point B golf course, and that is Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki! Uh, you know, he's 10th in the FedEx Cup without a win, 198th in Shrove's game putting. That's always been his bugaboo. Um, but I, I would probably wouldn't consider that a sleeper pick. My two sleepers for this week are two guys who finished 12th last year and I think have made pretty big uh, progressions in their game since then, and that's Abraham Answer and Joel Dahman. Uh, Joel's finished fifth in his last two events at Bay Hill and Riviera. Uh, the guy, you know, kind of like we talked about with Webb, not the longest guy, but very straight, and that plays on this golf course. And same thing with Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, not long, but he uh, last season was gaining strokes off the tee, mostly on accuracy, which you don't see a lot. And so I think that's two guys who... 
this golf course sets up very well for them. It's a, this is it's, this is crazy. The two guys that I had with my sleeper picks were were answering. Well, I'm glad myself. I got. I'm um, glad I went first. I wouldn't have had a, a backup. I just took I just took the picture of it, <laughs> and I'm going to text it to you. Um, and I did not write them down as your. That's <laughs> like what a dog, what a dog. Those are my. T- um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, I mean, Joel for me is, uh, is from Clarkston, Washington in the Northwest. I've uh, been following his career for a long time. I grew up in the Northwest. In fact, I, when I went to college, I, um, was, was right there in his backyard where he, he started playing there right there on the snake river at Clarkston country club. And, um, you know, he, he's just, man, he has exceeded expectations. He is a tough player. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I like him here. Uh, at the Players Championship, and I love Abe Answer too. I like his confidence and everything about his game, and and um, and where it's going to go. You know, it's crazy. We've went through this. We haven't talked about Francisco Molinari, who arguably was the best player in the world in the world at this point last year. You know, going into, um, you know, going into the players. I mean, certainly in the top five. And here's a guy. I don't want to say he's lost his game. But he's at yeah. the bottom, you know, when it comes to professional golf. Yeah, I mean, he and even before he became the Francesco Molinari of 2018, early 2019, he had a great record at TPC Sawgrass because he was he wasn't the longest player. Uh, he obviously gained a bunch of distance before he won the Open Championship, but he wasn't the longest player. But he was deadly straight and contended a few years at the Players when he really wasn't the guy that you would have thought of as a immediate contender or as a favorite. But I mean, he's not only missing cuts, but he's having trouble beating anyone right now. And it is yeah. kind of amazing to see how quickly things have turned. Because from that mm-hmm. 2008 Quicken Loans National, when he shot 62 in the final round, uh, through <clears throat> the first three rounds of last year's Masters, uh, I mean, he looked unbeatable almost. I mean, he was he yeah. was the, the, maybe the best player in the game, or he's definitely up there. <laughs> well, I mean, well, before the swing at 12 on Sunday, yeah. right? I mean. I mean, that was it. I mean, I was like, this guy is never going to hit a bad shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of the way I started thinking about this guy. And, you know, he gets up to 12 and dumps it in the water. And then it's it's just kind of, I don't, it's just slowly unraveled, yeah. really, you know, from from that point. It's just crazy to watch, you know, Molinari, Spieth. You hope Kepka doesn't fall down that path. Um, you know, guys lose their game. We've seen it with Luke Donald. It was cool to see his name pop back up again. Um, but why wouldn't I pick Tommy Fleetwood this week at TPC Soccer? Great fit for him. The miscut, yeah. I mean, the miscut at Bay Hill was shocking. Um, but it's, you know, great fit for him. It's a ball strikers golf course and he is he's a ball striker. He's your favorite ball strikers, favorite ball striker. <laughs> I love Tommy Fleetwood. He's one of my favorite players um in professional golf i mean rory and fleetwood are probably one and one a for me um i love watching that guy play the game i mean you know as a a golf instructor you kind of drool over his swing and the way he goes about his craft but man i was pulling for him i I really wanted um him to win that and um and the next week terrell hatton gets his first win fleetwood's still looking for his first win on the pga tour a couple more for you here and then i'll let you go one is make it jason day i mean you know obviously day he knows how to play this course um, but it's getting to the point where like every swing you're just kind of on pins and needles and you hope he doesn't fall down because of his yeah. back. Uh, Brandel Chambly and, and David Duvall and Justin Leonard visited the media center today. And, uh, Evan Priest of the Australian AP asked Brandel about Jason Day. And I, I, I thought it was a very clever quote. Brandel said, short swings make short careers, long swings make long careers. And, you know, pointed at Sneed and yeah. Mickelson and Julius Boros. And, um, there is so much tension and torque 
in that swing. Uh, it's kind of, you know, from the mid nineties when back when we used to talk about the X factor, uh, creating speed through that, that torque and resistance. And it's done a number on on his lower back. Uh, when he is healthy, he's, he's starting to play a little better. He was, you know, fourth at Pebble yeah. beach, 16th at, at Torrey Pines, um, two places that he's had success traditionally, but the WD from Bay Hill for the second straight year is not what you want to see. And it's just a, it's a matter of health with him. Yeah, you made it interesting when you sent me your swing. You said you grew up in the X Factor days. I think it's fair to say Jason Day grew up in the X yep. Factor days, right? I mean, turn your upper, not your lower. His right knee's probably never lost flexion in his backswing. Um, his hips have probably always stayed level in the backswing. And then as a result, high speeds, you take on a lot of side bend to the right. You know, it's. It's not conducive. I think Fowler's probably trying to get out of that a little bit um, with some of the changes that we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, it is a great quote. And um, it's not surprising. I, I don't want to say all of it is the swing related, but it's not surprising that he has uh, some of those back issues. Shaheen and I have talked about it at length um, many times about um, Jason Day swing and others. All right, final question. And then I'm going to let you go. I know you have a busy week. Uh, I look forward to, to listening to your new podcast, Center Cut, with Aaron Oberholzer. The winner of the 2020 Players Championship wow. is. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I love the parallels uh, between Rory last year and Rory this year. We were having the same discussions about Rory's ability to close last year. The only thing is, no one's ever defended the players. <laughs> Only five guys have won twice at TPC Sawgrass, and they've had to wait an average of 11.6 years between victories. Uh, four of those guys had to wait more than wow. 10 years. So uh, it's not conducive to back-to-back winners. Uh, that shouldn't matter to Rory. If anything, that's extra inspiration. I'm going to go Webb. Uh, I'm gonna, mm. He kind of breaks that trend as well, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Webb Simpson. I think he's playing so well right now that when you get him on a track that suits his game, that doesn't demand length, he's pretty near unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 a great pick. It's certainly in my top five for sure. I'm just hung up on Rom, man. I know there's he wants it. Um, it you know not that you can go out there and force it, but he just he, he seen. We're watching the maturation of a real star. He's the game. least talked and, about uh, second ranked player in the world that uh, you can think of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is um, he, he, right. He's kind of under the radar to to a weird degree. Um, but um, it was his tournament to have last year. He made some mistakes coming in. Rory went out and actually won it on Sunday um, with some with some great shots. Uh, the, the the drive on eighteen was just was mesmerizing, really. Um, watching that ball fade fade against the wind back into the fairway. But um, like I said, you know he won he won at uh, Zurich three times. He won on the European Tour since then, including the Order of Merit. His confidence is high. His you know he he's got it all. I mean he he needs to clean up a little bit around the greens. But this is a world-class player. Give me John Rom. You've got Webb Simpson. Sean Martin, I can't thank you enough, man. Um, this is everything that I was hoping it to be. Good luck with your podcast, Center Cut, with Aaron Olberhoser. And I'm sure I'll see you out there, Players' Championship at TPC. Sounds Broadway. good. Looking forward to it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm Travis Fulton. We'll see you next time.